BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services and in partnership with Beast OCR. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related, running, endurance, conditioning, wrecking, and more. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, Mike with BeastNet here, and on this episode I have with me Aaron Singleton. Aaron, introduce yourself, kind of let everyone, I know you've been on the app, been on before, but kind of remind everyone of who you are. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, me, or having me on again. Uh, so my name's Aaron. I'm from Edmonton, Alberta here. Been doing OCR now since uh, 2013, 2014. Can't remember exactly which because the years are starting to blend in already. But yeah. uh, started off uh, doing Spartan sprints, thinking it was a one-time thing. And here I am uh, a few years later doing a few Ultra Beasts, doing... Uh, other things that I never thought would really be in the uh, realm of possibility and just having the absolute best time with it. See, that's awesome. That's, that's what I love to hear is the, the people talking about just having a great time with it. So um, so you said you started with Spartan. Um, what other races do you do? I know Alberta has some fun ones that I haven't been able to do yet. Alberta Alberta's been a pretty good hub for OCR for a long time now. Um, probably the biggest thing that we've got going on, and uh, full transparency, I'm not going to pretend it's not a thing. I'm a uh, ambassador for X-Warrior Challenge here in uh, Alberta, so that's obviously a favorite of mine. But I've been oh, yeah. doing Spartans ever since uh, 2013. I've been doing Mud Heroes, Rugged Maniacs. Basically, anything that really comes to this area, and I've done a little bit of travel down to the States. I've done the Montana Spartan a couple times. I did, uh, well, attempted, didn't finish, but I was at uh, Spartan Death Race in 2015. And, uh, yeah, I know, but anything I can really uh, get my hands on. Well, I didn't finish, so I can't really uh, claim that. uh, That year was pretty rough. Just attempting that, it makes you a beast. I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, <laughs> honestly, if you think about it, how many people in this world have even attempted that? I mean, that, that puts you in a very, very limited group of people that have even attempted. And, I mean, yeah. So. It's a good group of people out there. I know uh, there's been a whole lot of horror stories out there about what uh, Joe's done in the years with uh, – death race but i'll tell you this that even if it's not something that uh people have really considered i could not recommend that race enough i know for me i kind of jumped in feet first because i i did that in 2015 not too long after i got into obstacle racing and i thought why not me yeah it looks impossible and hard as hell but let's just see what happens and i came out of it with a very different perspective because they talk about the way you kind of change your perspective on certain things. It's, for example, on an everyday basis, the worst thing you might deal with is being stuck in traffic on the way home or on the way to work. Yeah. But after having to climb a blood route in nothing but uh, a pair of boxers and a life jacket, that's uh, not too bad in comparison. <laughs> no. And honestly, that's kind of been, I mean, amazingly, like, for whatever reason, about every interview I've done in the last couple of weeks has been all about perspective and just really kind of changing how you perceive things and really, like, your entire life can change with your perspective. You know, I talked to, uh, what's your name, Erica, 
Erica, I forgot her last name because I'm horrible with names, but a woman named Erica who is a paraplegic and doing Spartan races. And she talks about how, like, her perspective on her entire life changed when she lost the use of her legs. And she doesn't see it as a bad thing. She's like, my life changed for the better. My perspective on life changed. I'm happier now as a paraplegic than, you know, she was with her with functioning legs. And it's just like, it really just shows how perspective can change everything. You know, it's all about how you perceive it. And that's just it. It's not only how you perceive it, but what you do with that perception once you have it. Are you going to let that be something that completely drags you down? Or are you going to say, you know what? These are the cards I've been dealt, so I just need to figure out a way to make it work. And I'm I'm not sure if I've heard her story, but based on what you're saying, that's absolutely remarkable that she's able to do that. Good on her. Yeah. And that's what's amazing. I mean, it's just – and that's what I love about the OCR community is you hear so many people like that that – Life, you know, it's like the old saying, life hands you lemons, make lemonade. And that's really what it is. It's just a perspective of, you know, life's going to throw everything at you. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to react? If you react and pity me and blah, 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 that's how your life's going to be. That's how you're going to feel, you know. But if you react with, okay, well, this is an obstacle. What do I do to get around it? And I think that's one of the things that obstacle course racing teaches a lot of us is that whole idea of looking at things is more of an obstacle rather than, you know, a problem. I mean, or a problem to be fixed anyway, but, you know, having a better attitude about it. Okay. That's an obstacle. How do I fix it? How do I get around this? How do I get over this obstacle rather than, well, if there's an obstacle in my path, I better just sit down and cry about it. <laughs> you know, and I guess it's not uh, a, no the best kidding. way to put it, but you know, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know how else to really say it. I mean, that just, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I know uh, last time when I was on, I was talking with them and we were talking about uh, the weight loss journey and the analogy came up of obstacle racing with that. You start off with all the momentum in the world. You're full of piss and vinegar. You get up to your first obstacle. Mm -hmm. You got every opportunity to say, you know what? Nah, this isn't for me. I'm just going to turn around and go back to what I used to do. Or you can say, yeah, I'll figure a way over and we'll uh, deal with the next one as it comes. And Obstacle racing, I completely agree. It is a great metaphor for life. Just what are you going to do when you have everything throw up at you? Because you're never going to have the perfect situation. I've, even if you're lucky no. enough to have a great life, you're going to deal with those obstacles as you go. So brush off the mud, figure your way through it. Oh, no, I agree. And I mean, that's it. It's like the old saying goes, if you wait for the perfect time, you're never going to do it. So, you know, don't wait for the perfect time, for the perfect anything. Just make it perfect. Make it, make it work for you. You know, and that's what you have to do. It's, you know, you, you make it. Like I said, I've got, you know, so many, there's so many of those little sayings that people have that, you know, they sound so dumb until you really think about them. You know, it's on my fridge. It says, you do not find the happy life, you make it. And that's kind of what we're saying about, you know, with our obstacle course racing is, you know, in life, you don't, you make yourself get through the obstacles. So, yeah. No, I, yeah. It's awesome. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of went on a weird tangent there for a minute, but I like it. It was awesome. That was great. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. I'm okay uh, with getting deep. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
I guess let's let's jump out of the the deep end for a little bit. Um, what other? I know you've done the the last time you were on. Um, you talked a lot about X Warrior, and that that's Darcy, right? Is Darcy with the X Warrior? Yeah, you're right, Darcy Shalafu. Yeah, yeah. So I know I've got I've been talking to Darcy. Darcy's got he's going to be on right about the beginning of November with the the new schedule for X Warrior for next year. So we've been talking to him quite a bit. He's a he's a really good guy. What other you mentioned a few other races? What other races have you found, and what are the differences? Um, there's a lot of races. I mean, being here in Seattle, we get pretty much Spartan, Rugged Maniac, Tough Mudder, and some locals, and that's about it. You know, and actually, we don't even get Rugged anymore. Rugged is down in Portland, so we do get terrain and some of those. But what what kind of courses do you guys get up there, and what how, what differences do you see in them? All right, and now we're going to take a quick pause so we can hear from our sponsors. Like what you hear? Make sure and subscribe and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're using YouTube, please click the little red subscribe icon, then click the little bell for notifications of future episodes. And if you could, give us a thumbs up. And we're back. Well, really, from what you're describing, it sounds pretty similar to what we have in Alberta. I mean, we used to have a Tough Mudder down in Drumheller just about an hour outside of Calgary, but they lost that a couple of years back, and it went out to Whistler. So now, for schedule, you have your Spartan series that comes through. Uh, they're adding an Ultra Beast now, which is actually really exciting. Not sure how they're going to do that in Calgary, but I imagine they're probably going to go maybe towards the Banff Lake Louise area, which is even better. I can't wait for that. But... Uh, for the most part, we've got our X-Warrior series, we've got our Spartan series, Mud Hero comes through, Rugged Maniac comes through once a year, and we have a few local races. I know uh, there's one here called Down and Dirty here in Edmonton. It's a uh, fundraiser for cancer research, I believe it is. It's a once-a-year thing, but they've been doing that for a number of years. A uh, few smaller races, a few local ones, but really, we don't get anything big because for example, one I've always wanted to try is I wanted to try uh, Savage Race down in the States, but mm-hmm. it doesn't come to Canada. And for us to go down to, uh, I think the closest one to us, uh, oh, God, I can't even really think of that. I want to say there's one in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, for us in so. Alberta, it's pretty limited. And we'll have to, we go to BC, but even then, BC are just adding other Spartans and other races along those side of things. So it's not a very saturated market up here yet. Nancy, so you're running the same thing that we have. We have, you know, we can go up to BC, but it's the same thing. You know, I mean, BC for me is about three hours away. So from where I'm exactly. at. Exactly. So that's nothing. Yeah. In, uh, but there's not a whole lot up there. A lot more. No, yeah, for yeah. sure. Eastern Canada gets way more because I know they get more in race. So if you've been to uh, OCR World Championships, got Legaff. That one has always mm-hmm. been a pain, but it's a good one. Uh, what else is there? Nuclear race. Uh, I think there's one called Prison Break, I want to say. I, I'm probably getting that wrong. Oh. I apologize for that. But, uh, yeah, there's a bunch okay. of ones out east. And see, that's it. There's a lot, and that's what I hear from a lot of people, because they got, like, Bone Frog out there, you know, and some of those other ones. And I want to. I've been looking at more and more, you know, for my travel, because most of my travel, I go to Montana. You know, I go to Hawaii. And pretty much other than that, I stay around Seattle. So it's kind of like next year I'm trying to decide, do I want to go East Coast to get some of these these races that I, I we're, we're not getting out here? So 
Yeah. Well, I'm not sure about uh, what it's like for travel with you guys down in the States going out east, but I know here in uh, Canada, we don't really have much of the competition with uh, airlines. So for us flying out to Toronto or Quebec for a weekend, you're looking at probably 400, 500 Canadian return. So that's a big chunk of change for a race weekend. Mm -hmm. That is. And that's kind of one of those things that... (laughs) No, you're not. Me and my wife have pretty much made it so that if we go, if we're going to spend that much to travel for a race weekend, we make it a vacation. Absolutely. So it's, you know, like when we go to Hawaii, we've gone to Hawaii the last four years and we always, this last time we were there for 10 days. So it's like, you know, two days of racing and then eight days of doing whatever. So, you know, we, yeah, because I've done the races where, you know, I did Vegas one year where I flew down Friday, raced Saturday, and then was on a plane at like seven o'clock Saturday night on my way home. And I was, it was just a complete waste. I'm like, I spent all that time to go down to Vegas to race for a few hours and head right back to the airport. I'm like, it's, I won't do it again. Absolutely. And I know with us here, uh, for, speaking only for myself anyways, it's not uncommon to, when you're trying to save cash to race, it's okay. I've got a race uh, down in Calgary, about three hours south of Edmonton. So instead of going down, finding a hotel, taking the time off the day before to get down there, it's not uncommon to get up at three in the morning, drive down, and then mm-hmm. get there an hour early for a warm up and start your race and drive home the same day. So six hours of driving for, um, depending on the race, maybe an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that for the Washougal Spartan race. Driven down, raced, and then turned around and came back. And I ended up having to, like, at one point I was with my son, and I'm like, we need to pull over and get lunch. And he's like, well, I'm not really hungry. I'm like, I'm not either, but I'm falling asleep. So (laughs) it's like I need to get out of this car and move around. Oh, I had to do that after Black Ops both years that I was there. First year I was volunteering, and I didn't expect that I'd have to – do that just because I wasn't racing. I figured I'd have the energy, but on the way back, maybe 15 minutes into the drive, I'm like, I need to find a parking lot and just have a quick snooze. Otherwise I'm not making it back. And same thing this year. Oh yeah. And that's, that's what always scares me is the the falling asleep while driving. So I drive a lot, so I've gotten good at staying awake and driving, but, but there's been a few times I'm pretty sure I slept for part of the drive and I'm like, yeah, that's probably not good. But (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah like i don't remember like an hour of that drive that's probably not a good thing but you know. <laughs> so yeah i've been looking at i want to come up for some of the x warrior i mean those those look fun so and talking to darcy and, you know, and then listening to the episode that you did i mean yeah and the oh, nice thing about it like i said last time was just the community feel of it. I mean, you go to a Spartan, you see a lot of the familiar faces, which is great. I, there are the same people that will go to X-Warrior, but when you go to X-Warrior, it's a much smaller group of people. Not that there's less people that are interested, and it's just it works with our schedules really well. We've kind of been around since day one. So it's really just, it feels like a private obstacle race. And if you go there with people that you've never seen before, just say hi and everybody's friends by the end of it. I know with Hurt Locker, we had uh, 50 teams of four people each, so 200 people. And that event sold out the day it was released and no one knew what it was going in. We all thought it was going to be like a hurricane heat, but it wasn't even close. So what was it? Because that's the question that I've had. 
So Hurt Locker, like I said, I I totally went in thinking it was going to be something like Hurricane He Go Rock or a Death Race, but it was nothing like that. It was kind of this uh, new concept. I'm I've just finished an article that I'm waiting for uh, Mudrun Guy to edit, and it'll be released uh, sometime after this is released, I'm sure. But uh, so essentially, mm-hmm. what it was is the person who runs, or one of the people that runs the Boneyard facility, Rob Day, he was given full reign to design an event that he wanted to. And I think the quote he said at the beginning of the event was, every time X-Warrior comes up here and I say, can we do this? Darcy says, no. This is the event where he said, yes, you can do whatever you want. And all of us kind of went, oh, crap, this is not going to go well for us, is it? (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. What happened was is he decided to make this event based on the three main elements or what he said were the three main elements of obstacle course racing. So you have the speed factor, you have the strength factor, and you have the grip strength factor. So what, mm-hmm. what happened was you had three main challenges that were an hour long, but in order to determine where you started in each of them, you had what was called a seating round. So we started off with a speed round, and we started off with a beep test. So it wasn't the standard beep test where you have the 20-meter shuttle run, the times that go through are standardized, and they get faster and faster and faster as you go. What it was is it would relay between the four people that you had, and you could go as many times in one order as you wanted, but as soon as you couldn't make it back to your line in time, you were done. And the difference between this and the actual beep test was you were running to and from a pylon. So it wasn't just get to the mm-hmm. pylon, wait for the beep, and come back. This time it was just sprint there, sprint back. You don't know what the time is going to be. It could be a 10-second clock for a 20-meter sprint. It could be a 30-second clock for a 5-meter sprint. You had no idea. But the pylons, as you went on, kept getting further and further away. And on top of that, you're running in a farm field, which is basically just really loose topsoil. So even if you're able to try and get a bit of speed, you're running on sand, essentially. Mm -hmm. And your legs were just burning out. So that lasted, I think based on my watch, that lasted about 15, 20 minutes for everybody to get through. And they weren't trying to rank you. What they're doing is just take the top 10, they get some sort of advantage, and you move on. But before I'll go there, I'll say one last thing that Rob said was that life isn't fair, so this race isn't going to be fair. There's going to be a lot of things that happen that are going to seem shady or sketchy, and it's just all part of the game that they're playing. So the top 10 people for the speed round were given a 10-minute head start on what their challenge was. And the challenge was you were given an orienteering map and you had coaches hiding around different parts of the venue. And this is a massive venue. I'm not sure what the square mileage is of it, but I can tell you that we've been out there a half dozen times for different races and we have never run the same course twice. We've always been in different sections or they're adding to sections that were previously there. I We haven't seen the whole thing yet. So this was a good chance to get a really, really good vision of what the venue looked like and Mm -hmm. you had to go around and you had to get these chips and the chips worth points and each coach was a color per se and each color is worth a certain number of chips and whoever had the most chips at the end got more points than everybody else so the top 10 were told they were going to get a 10 minute advantage everybody else kind of had to just wait let them do their thing but about two or three minutes after they went off rob day said that's enough time. Don't feel like being fair. You guys can all go ahead now. So then there's just a mad start of everybody going around trying to uh, find these chips. 
but the condition was is you couldn't just have your fastest person go out and run full tilt while everybody else just kind of goes to different parts of the map. You were all tethered. Well, not tethered. That's not the right word, but you're all holding on to this seven or eight foot piece of rope. Kind of like if you imagine kids going through uh, preschool and they're walking with their teachers outside, they're yep. holding on to that little, that's exactly what we are doing, but it's a bunch of grown men and women running around trying to get poker chips from other people. So it's kind of a funny thing to behold. If you've never been to OCR, you would have no idea what was going on. And uh, that's pretty interesting. The, the, sorry. No, I said that's pretty interesting. I mean, no, I'm just I'm listening to what you're saying, and this sounds pretty fun, actually. But yeah, it's it was so. definitely a different concept. Yeah. So, and that was just the speed section. So the there are two other uh, what was it? Two other evolutions for the seating rounds. The second one you had. I think it was a 200-pound log over your head you had to hold in a strict shoulder press, and you're doing suicide lunges further along through the same topsoil. And the advantage you got for being top 10 in that was every team that did it had to do had to carry a 40-pound sandbag on their back while they did the next challenge. If you're in top 10, you had to do two sandbags. And the last evolution was grip strength. So you had those X-bombs that have kind of become infamous in these parts. It's just a 15-pound piece of pipe that you have to hold on the top end. So you're basically pinch gripping it. And Mm -hmm. you're doing suicides with that again. And the top 10, once again, everybody had to carry the pipes for whatever they're doing for the last challenge. But the top 10 ended up having to carry two sets of those pipes. So half your team was carrying that. And some of these challenges were a kilometer plus away so your forearms are just completely fried by the end of it i remember i got home and i was joking around with my friend saying oh i'm feeling pretty good i could probably go for a run tomorrow and then i tried putting my key in the door and i tried turning it and i just couldn't i had to use both hands to try and get into my house which is the first wow that's impressive it was hell but it was a blast and that's, See, and that's how I know you're Spartan, or that's how I know you're an OCR person, because only OCR people describe things as it was hell, but it was a blast. <laughs> well, I go into work every uh, week after I finish a race week, and they always ask, "Why the hell do you do it?" I'm like, "Why don't you guys come out and try it and find out?" It's just mm-hmm. the best time you can have without. Uh, what was that? I can't remember who said. It. I think it was one of. Uh, the people in our community, it's the most fun you can have without going to prison, really. Do you like challenges that are fun, tough, and might use tacos? Head on over to BeastChallenge.com and check out our upcoming events, including Beast's 5K+, Plus, a combination of race and endurance event, and the Bucket Mile. Keep an eye on the Beast's OCR Facebook group for event gatherings. For more information, head on over to BeastChallenge.com and the Beast's OCR Facebook group. You'll be glad you did. So, how long? How long was her locker? How long were you guys out there? Uh, it was six hours, but there was a little bit of rest time in between each of the challenges, and they wouldn't say either way. I kind of think that the rest time was intentional. I mean, a, it gives you a chance to kind of restock up on your food and everything, but. It was at the beginning of October here in, Al- in northern Alberta, so it was entirely possible when they planned it that it could have been a foot of snow outside, so all you'd be trying to do at that time is just trying to keep warm. We got lucky, and we had a nice warm day, 
but as far as we know, they could have been doing that just to play the mind games with you, or it was time to set up. We have no idea. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's what I love about hearing about these different events is, you know, they're, they're not cookie cutter. And that's what I love about OCR is, you know, I mean, not to sound bad, but like a road race, a 5K, it's it's a cookie cutter. It's basically you either go out and back for 5K or you go in a big circle. That's Absolutely. really it. <laughs> you know, and with <laughs> obstacle course racing and, you know, the hurt locker and you have the hurricane heats and you have, you know, the, over here for us we have Beast Breaker and, you know, Ghosts and some of that stuff that the, uh, the Beast team puts on there's all these different things and you never know what you're going to get. You know, like you said, when you showed up there, you were expecting some kind of like a hurricane heat and it was completely, you know, completely different. And I think that's what keeps all of us, all of us engaged. Cause I mean, for me, it's like, that's why I quit road running. Cause I got to a point I'm like, yay, I'm running <laughs> an hour later. Yay. I'm still running, you know? And it just, <laughs> you get tired of it, you know, and then you get into the obstacle course racing and you're like, Oh, Hey, this is an obstacle I haven't seen before. How am I going to do this? You know? And just, yeah. So this is a new challenge. Absolutely. And like you're saying, the obstacles themselves are changing too. I mean, you could run OCR as long as you and I have, and every single time you go out, they're going to bring something new. And as long as the sport keeps evolving and doing that, it's going to keep growing Mm -hmm. and we're going to see more and more people come in. So it would be, I mean, this is a little selfish in my view personally, just because I'd love to see it go somewhere else. But I'm really hoping that you start seeing the world championship events like Spartan World Championships or OCRWC has done a really good job. They've gone overseas now. They've been going up between Canada and the U.S. But getting those championship style events to other countries and really trying to help develop the sport there. Because I know... Yeah. For someone in Europe to come to Canada or the United States for a week to race, it, it's a good chunk of change to come do that. But when you have the regional events that are able to help grow the sport on the grassroots level, it really helps grow the sport. So if you can give people the incentive of saying, okay, this is more than just weekend warrior going out and having fun, which is exactly what it should be. It's about going out, having fun with yeah. friends. but in order to kind of help people get to that next level, bringing and sharing the world championships around the world, make it a true world championship instead of just the same host year after year. Yeah. Well, I know the OCR world championships, they were, they were in London the last two years, haven't they? They have been. Yeah. And uh, I think that what I heard is they're going to, uh, I heard this year. Yeah. That's what I heard. I heard Vermont this next year. So, which is cool. I mean, they should be. I think, I mean, the OCR World Championships, I think, should be something kind of like, I mean, I don't really want to say the Olympics, but like the Olympics, where the Olympics, every, you know, two years, they move. I mean, they're somewhere else. You know, I guess it's every four years or, you know what I mean. But, yeah, but there's has done a great job with that, for sure. And you've got the 24-hour championships in Australia that I don't know if they're going mm-hmm. to be moving or not now that they've been there twice, but... OCRWC has done a really good job, but you look at Spartan World Championships and World's Toughest Mudder, those are all always kind of centralized around, around the States, yep. but you still get people from yeah. all over the world coming down. So I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, overlooking the point and that could be the point right there. Yeah, but I think they need to move. I, I, I really think 
Because I know the Spartan World Championships, they've been in Tahoe for a while now. And I, and I agree. I think they should move, you know, just like you said, they should go They should go to different countries to get that, you know, because I think you're going to get more people that way, more people involved, because all of a sudden it's like, you know, if I'm a racer in Spain or wherever in Europe, how much money am I going to have to raise and make to get to the world championships? And that's just it. And all of us, for the most part, we're not the Ryan Atkins. We're not the John Albans. We're all working normal day jobs. Mm -hmm. We've all got families that we're trying to take care of where money's got to be focused on. So if we're able to do, and for the professionals, that's absolutely amazing. That's a dream to be able to do that. But for the rest of us, it's got to be accessible in some way. Yeah. And I mean, you know, for me, I mean, Tahoe is pretty accessible. I had never gone, but I mean, like I said, if I lived in Spain, am I going to be able to get the vacation? Am I going to be able to pay for it? I mean, all of that stuff that, you know, you can't necessarily do. But, you know, if it moved around and say, okay, maybe this year because it's in Tahoe, I can't afford it. But, hey, next year it's going to be in, you know, Ireland. So it's closer and I can get over there, you know, and it'll only be a, a three days that I need a vacation rather than like two weeks. You know what I mean? And that's Absolutely. what I think it's. You got it. Yeah, yeah. So I agree, it needs to move. All right, and now we're going to take a quick pause so we can hear from our sponsors. Does your business need first aid, AED, OSHA, flagging, or other safety training? James Safety Services is your one-stop shop. Find them on Facebook today at James Safety Services WA and ask for a quote on hosting your training needs. And we're back. You're mentioning uh, there's... uh... Endurance style event at the East Run. What is that? I haven't uh, heard of that one before. There's two of them normally. Um, there's one I think it's coming up actually next month. It's called Beach Breaker. It's usually an overnight um, endurance event that they put on, and it's I've never done them because the endurance has never been my big forte. I I, I kind of like the races. But uh, it's supposed to be a, a team kind of based one. It's a lot of fun. Um, I know there's a couple episodes that I've done with uh, Janelle and Adam and some of them, Virginia, who we've talked about them. But there's Beast Breakers usually in the, the fall, and then they do one called Ghosts in uh, the, the spring. And that one is – that one's definitely a team based. Last year it was uh, – like it was almost a competition between the two teams, but it was like a choose your own adventure kind of race. Like they are oh, a thing where you earn points and, and it was really, I know I'm not sure what it's going to be this year because I know Adam's been really thinking about it. Cause I guess last year they said, because of the, the choose your own adventure, there was like 60% of the stuff they'd come up with never got used because no one picked that part of the adventure. So, and it's always been in a place we have a, a place that we've always done out here in Grays Harbor that we've done. But this year, I think we're moving it to, uh, there's a race called Summit to Swamp that is a local race every year. And we've kind of partnered up with them and we're helping them, you know, better the race and help them get it really off the ground. And they've pretty much said that we can use their property to do beast breaker and ghosts and all that stuff. So it's just some endurance events that we have around here that we've been trying to, We've been trying to to build the OCR scene over here a lot better. So, I mean, we have a lot of people in it that, you know, the Beast, it's a pretty decent-sized team. I think 
I mean, if you look at our Facebook page, it's like 2,000 people. But active, I would say it's closer to about 200. Um, and it's just, yeah, we have a lot of active people, you know, about 200 active people and just trying to push and get, you know, more OCR centric things in this area. So, you know, and really make it fun. So, yeah. No, that's fantastic. And I mean, I've personally always kind of been really attracted to the endurance style events because like I was mentioning earlier with death race, it's just really cool to be able to go into something, not really know what to expect and just see how you're able to adapt to it. So especially with the team concept of, uh, doing an endurance instead of it making a big group of one working together, making it almost like you said, the two teams kind of competing against each other. That's a whole new element that you don't really see very often in OCR. So I would, I would love to see that expanded a bit. Oh yeah. It's one of those things they're working on. I mean, you know, I, like I said, if you check on the, the beast OCR page, um, I was trying to think of the episodes. There's an episode where we really talk about ghosts. And I know we've talked about this possibility that we're going to actually record a couple episodes like at ghosts next year, where we're going to be there while it's going on and talk to these people in the middle of the night while they're, because usually they do it at night. Now they have some crazy things. I think one year they had a, had to move logs like up a hill for, and build the bridge. So a lot of it ends up being like functional, like the team base, but they end up doing like functional things that, you know, as a team, the the parts that I've heard and talked to them about, and like I said, I haven't done them yet, but everything I've heard, it's one of those, like my biggest problem with endurance is I always feel like I'm going to be that guy, the guy that's holding down my team and not really, you know, being able to keep up. And they said the great thing about the way they run Beast Breaker and Ghost is there's a lot of thinking, there's a lot of, you know, strategy and stuff like that. So it's not always about being the biggest and the strongest. It's like, there's going to be times where the biggest and the strongest guy is going to be that guy that holds everyone back because he's not, you know, doesn't necessarily like think, you know, and put puzzles together where, well, where someone like me who's great with puzzles and strategy would be a huge help on certain things. But then, you know, the physical side, I'm not that great with that, you know, so it's, and that's what I like because it's a, they try and put it together. So it's a lot of different moving pieces where you need a versatility in your team. So it's not just going to be a team of a big bunch of brutes because they're not going to do very well. No, I love that concept. And I completely agree because and I think that's the one thing that really draws a lot of people over to the endurance side of obstacle course racing is that there's only a handful of people that are going to be out, able to go out there and run elite and put up really, really fast times. And I can show that athleticism that we see in OCR on that high level. But with the endurance side of things, it's not about how fast you are. It's about just what I've kind of always coined it as is how good are you at suffering and how good are you at thinking while you're in mm-hmm. that pain cave? So like you said, if you're able to go through that and still be able to think about, okay, this is the puzzle I'm dealing with. How do I sort through that? While everybody else is just kind of there scratching their head thinking, how can I just destroy this obstacle? So it's not even a problem anymore. You're thinking about it logistically when really your brain is just kind of, I apologize. It's the only way I can really think about it. Your brain's trying to dumb down because you're just going through that adrenaline high of trying to get everything done. But if you're still able to think through that, that's just as valuable to a team as someone who can lift a 400 pound tire. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what they've really, you know, from everything that I've heard from talking to most people about, you know, those events is Adam and them have really tried to make it so that it's, uh, that it will take a team. You know, like I said, moving, you know, on one of my, like I said, I think they had to move the, the, the logs and figured out the best way to do it. Honestly, is, you know, you get smaller logs and put it underneath it and roll them on it, you know, so, cause they had to drag them up a hill, you know, and then put them in an over extreme and make a bridge. And it's just crazy stuff like that, that they come up with these, you know, things they've got to try and piece together and, and use everyone's strengths. So, yeah. Gonna, and I'm really looking forward to see. Yeah, and, and I'm really looking forward to, to what they're going to do, you know, on the next ones. I mean, Adam, the guy who puts it together, he's the, you know, kind of the, the president of uh, VTOCR, and, or I think that's his title. I don't remember. I always forget. But <laughs> I'm horrible with remembering titles. But <laughs> he's uh, he's worked with Spartan on the Hurricane Heats. He's worked with Cool. Uh, cool. I can never say his name right, and I always feel so bad because I feel one of these days he's going to listen and be like, really? But uh, <laughs> Kewel, who used to be, you know, with Spartan on the uh, Cryptea for Spartan and now has his own fit fit farm. It's a firefighter fit endurance thing that he just did up here in Seattle. And so Adam's worked with him a lot, and Adam's really kind of studied you know, how these other people do it and found ways that, you know, he did, he's not one that likes the, you know, I'm going to yell at you and make you feel like you're two, two inches tall and all that. It's like, I'm going to make you, make you think about this and find ways to get you through it and help you get through it. But I'm going to beat you, you know, I'm going to physically beat you down on it and make you think, you know, but not in a way that's going to, you know, because some of them I've been in ones where you feel like, you know, they're belittling you and they, you just like, I don't want to do this. I don't feel good. This does not make me feel good about myself, but I've been in the other ones where it's like you're pushed to your limit, but you feel good about it. And that's how Adam really tries to make it, that you're going to be worn out. You're going to be pushed to your limit, but anybody is going to feel, you know, like they really worked at it. Even if from your strongest athlete to somebody who, you know, can't even, you know, that has issues writing a 5k. It's going to be, he's going to find a way that everyone's going to enjoy it and everyone's can get through it. So, which is cool. Yeah. No, I love that. I, here in Edmonton, I um, work with uh, a gym here, city fit shop. And every year we do a thing called uh, recruits. It's our own little take on uh, the endurance side of things. And same thing. We really try to focus it on not so much, belittling people and punishing people because it's fun for the coach. What we try to do is get people to think outside the box more than anything and try to really, the big thing that we've always tried to do is try to bring some sort of lesson into it or some sort of overarching idea. Because if you go into an endurance event and it's just, okay, we're going to make you suffer for six hours for the sake of making you suffer. No one's going to have a good time, and no one's really going to understand the point. But if you can give it that sort of theme that people can really grasp onto and really identify with, that's what really makes it a meaningful thing, and that's what's made it work really well for me with the hurricane heats and the other events that I've done as a participant. It's never been about just breaking people down. It's always been okay, we're going to make you work your butts off, but we're also going to show you what happens when you do, and you're going to come out of it a better human on the other side for it. 
Yeah. And that's what's awesome is, I, like I said, I have been on those ones where they just totally beat you down mentally, and it's like, no, it's not about that. I mean, I I, I want to come out of it feeling like I've been to hell and back, but I want to come out of it feeling good about the fact that I've been to hell and back. So, you know, and that's – I've only done two hurricane heats, you know, really in a couple of, like, the other kind of endurance events. And both hurricane heats, I ended up – one of them, I don't know if you know who Dingo is – but Dingo was the crypte on the first one I did, and he was awesome. And he helped us all. He pushed me to limits. He knew it was almost like he knew where my where my breaking point was, and just kept me right at it the whole time. <laughs> if that makes sense, but so in a good way. Just redlining the whole way. Yeah, just kept me redlined the whole way, which but in a good way. And then the second time yeah. I did one, Dingo wasn't the cryptea. He was actually one of the participants. And he was my partner the entire time. And that's actually where the, my nickname Pretty Mike came from because through the whole thing, he kept calling me Pretty Mike. And, uh, <laughs> and, but it was like he, as a, as a participant, he kept me going the whole time and pushing me to a point where it's like, I don't, I can't do this. And he's like, yeah, you can, and you're going to. And I did. And I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it's one of those that, but it was like I had that great experience, and I think that's one of the reasons I've had issues with wanting to do another one is it's like I, I, <laughs> I had two really good experiences, and I'm afraid, you know, because what I've heard from others is that I'm going to do another one and have a bad experience. So, plus, well, actually, after that second one, I, I got injured, and I've been yeah. battling back from an injury since then. So, yeah. Fair enough. And, and that's just it. With these events, it's, you almost become very – attached to the person that's leading it, whatever, whoever the cryptea mm-hmm. is. I know the first one I did was in Montana with Tony Matesi. And uh, he was just, I remember going into it being completely intimidated by him just because I was thinking, you know what, I've heard about this guy, what he's done in terms of his endurance journey. And I'm like, there's no way I can live up to what he's done, but you're there. And it's, he's just having as much fun with it as you are. He's just on yeah. the other side of it, dishing out everything as opposed to that. And I'll never forget the one thing that he had us do was we had to, he split us off into two teams and he said, you guys have to orienteer to this part of the course. We're going to take a side by side and we'll meet you guys up there. And me being brand new to this, not knowing any better, basically just said, oh, okay, it's a race. Let's go. So us and the other team go off. They venture off one way. We venture off another. We get up there first, luckily. And Tony looks at us and he just says, where's the other team? We said, not sure. They turned left. We turned right. We got up here first. He's like, I don't recall telling you guys that this was a race. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over here. We're going to find, uh, try and find a rock that's between 20 and 30 pounds. And we're like, All right. So we take it. He says, put it over your head. So put it over head in the shoulder press. He said, you guys are going to keep those rocks above your head until the other team shows up because you don't abandon anybody. So we're sitting there for about 10 or 15 minutes with these boulders over our head and the other team finally shows up. So he goes through and he says, just so you guys know that are just coming in, this team ditched you. So I'm making sure that they're suffering for what they did to you. But in the alternative, they thought it was a race and you know what? Losing sucks. So what you're going to do is you're going to grab a rock from those guys and now you're going to hold it over your head for the exact same amount of time they just did because you guys took too long to get here. So a little bit of a punishment, but it's, it was just kind of showing the fairness between both sides in a way. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and it kind of shows like what we talked about in the beginning is the perspective. The perspective Absolutely. of, you know, hey, these guys left you behind, so they're being punished. But then on the same side, hey, you guys took too long, so now you get to get punished. And it's like, wait a minute, we're both being punished. Well, yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he had fun. And that was one. He was just. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I just, uh, I, I know Tony, and I, yeah, I, I could see that. I, the one I did where, uh, where Dingo was the, the participant, Tony was there. He wasn't running it. It was, oh, I can't remember his name. I think his name is Corey. I can't remember for sure, though. I'm probably saying that wrong. But uh, Tony was there, and he was filming a lot of it, and we had one. We called it the, the, we, the four-hour bucket of suck because we had to bring a bucket. It was like a three I think a three-gallon bucket, which I don't know if you know this, is almost impossible to find. So none of us had an actual, yeah, like, three-gallon. They were either – yeah, they're, like, two or five. There's no threes. Yeah. So so most of us either had a two-gallon or a, a, a five-gallon. It was a couple of us that were able to randomly find, like, a there was a painter's bucket that you could find that was, like, three-gallon, but you had to really, really look for it. So, but then we started the whole four-hour thing was we filled our buckets up with rocks, of course, because it's a Spartan, and then yep, we carried them. Everything we did, those buckets went with us for four hours. We had those buckets, and it was actually it was probably about actually about two and a half. About the two and a half mark, we went in Seattle, and it, the hill's gone now. They they don't let us do the hill because the first year that they did the the race in Seattle, like I think two people got airlifted off the hill, but it was <laughs> this horrible hill that they had, and we had to go <laughs> up it, and we ended up doing a bucket brigade, like. We had people still at the bottom and then stretched everyone out so there was people all the way up to the top. And then we just handed the buckets up. And as we we're handing the buckets up, they found low spots on the hill and dumped all of our buckets out. But I mean, we had to carry them for like two and a half hours, everything we did. You know, obstacles, burpees, everything. We had those buckets with us. And it was like, yeah. And I'm like, this is the worst bucket carry of my life. But. <laughs> And then but you it was go a back shaft. to a normal race, and then you're doing a bucket, and you're like, this is a piece of cake. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, oh, Relatively. Yeah. I mean, buckets always suck, but. <laughs> oh, they do. The only thing I was happy about was when they changed the rules this year that you can put them up on your shoulder. Because my thing, once they put the lids on, and I, I would get into arguments with them all the time, because if you actually look at pictures of me for like the last two years I was doing this, I put it on my bicep and carry it like a log. And would argue with them. They're like, you can't put it on your shoulder. I'm like, technically, it's not on my shoulder because I have it rolled down into the crook of my arm so that I don't have to listen to you tell me to take it off my shoulder. <laughs> but it's so much easier for me. It's so much easier on my back to have it up on my on my bicep. And then if I start oh, getting tired, I just switch. I switch it to the other arm, and then I keep going. And, I mean, it's just like, Yeah. So I love that rule well, now, especially once they put the lids on it. Yeah. Well, and you look at a lot of people carrying the buckets. It's almost like looking at uh, bad deadlifting form. You'll have the weight all the way down. You don't have it up high. You've kind of got the arch in the back. And it's mm -hmm. a little scary watching sometimes. You just want to make sure people aren't going to be doing permanent damage to that area. So if you can find a way, like I think putting the lids on the bucket was a fantastic idea. I mean, that way you're yeah. not having to deal with the issue of, 
this athlete didn't fill it as much or, okay, the hill holes on the side were too big. So then stuff started falling out and you got to do it again because now there's light showing through it. It just gets rid of the guesswork, which I think is the biggest thing. Yep. Oh yeah. And it does. And that, that was one of the big things that I had, even though there's been a couple times on some of those, I'm pretty sure people open the lids and dump them out because I've gotten a few. I'm like, yeah, this is a little too light, but you know, not that I was complaining. I just went for it, but <laughs> all you have to do is make it look heavy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I know what you mean by the form because that was one of my biggest problems by the end of the, the on some of them, because there's some of those, they made those bucket carries, especially on the beast, very, very, very long and annoying, mm-hmm. but you would get, you know, you'd start getting tired and you'd do that. You would, it would start low, slowing down or lowering down and then your back would start hunching over and it's like it just became really bad form and like i said once they put the lids on them then you could kind of turn it sideways and carry it but yeah one i was like nope i'm putting it up on my my bicep because that's for me it takes a lot of the pain out of my back and i you know i started getting to a point where because i would get tired and you know it starts like sliding down in your back you'd get that arch i started getting back spasms when i do when i was doing them and i'm like nope that's why i'm carrying it on my arm yeah so yeah, fair call. Yeah, so that's one of the things I've been working on making my back stronger so that doesn't happen. But you know, it's <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other element too is that you're in the middle of a race, and like you said, in the bees, chances are the bucket's going to be on a hill after you've already done a steep yep. hill climb. So your form's going to be bad to begin with. So it's like we said, they're just trying to break you down. So if you can get strong enough to do that, even if you are strong, there's a very good chance that you're going to lose the form as you go anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. You know? And like I said, I, that's why I like them now with the lids. Cause I can just put it up on my bicep and then switch arms. You know, when I get tired rather than before where all of a sudden I start getting the back spasm and I have to set it down. And now I'm using even worse form, trying to pick it back up and everything else. And it's like, yep, nope, just keep it up on my shoulder, you know, or my, my bicep and, and walk around with it. So, yeah. No, and that's see, one of the things you learn after all. Uh, sorry? No, I was like, that's just one of the things I guess you learn after doing enough of them. You just figure out new ways of not hurting yourself while you do it. So. And that's just it. I know with uh, X-Warrior, the big one that we've been dealing with at Boneyard lately is called, uh, or they've got the propane tanks that are out there. And I, I can't remember what they weigh. They said it a while back. I think it was 50 pounds of propane tank. But uh, the men coming through, whether you're on Titan Elite or whatever it is, you're carrying two of those propane tanks filled to the brim with sand or wherever it is filled in there. And it's same thing it's not really on a flat section you've got a lot of uphill you've got the turn so i found the biggest thing with me wasn't so much the grip strength that burn even though that would burn very quickly for me it was trying to keep the weights off to the side and trying not to let it just bang against your knees so i know a black ops yep. uh, a few laps in you're tired you're spending the entire night running and just doing grip strength stuff that when you get to the propane tanks you can't really keep that weight out far so i remember the next day after i finally showered and got all the muck and the grime off me that I was just completely bruised on the outside of my knees because it was just banging against me the entire night. Yeah. And unfortunately, because you've got one in each hand, there's not much you can really do other than just try and keep it off to the side. Yeah. Do what you can to keep it off the side and go for it. Oh, that sounds all. Yeah. 
It is. No, I've had those where you get the random bruises. No. <laughs> oh. Well, we're coming up on the hour mark. This has been a blast. I mean, I mean, we've kind of talked about everything. Um, <laughs> anything you'd like to say to the listeners in closing? Um, just kind of, you know, something to leave them with. The biggest thing I would want to leave everybody with is that, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, you've done obstacle racing quite a bit, but on the off chance that you're uh, someone new looking to get into it or someone's told you about the sport and you're just uh, chatting with the beasts and seeing what it's all about, just give it a chance and come try it out. I know when I got started with this sport, I was 80 pounds overweight and out in way past uh, freshman 15 from college and university so you just get into it and you meet the people and the people are really what keep you going because every time you go out to a race it's a giant family reunion regardless of what banner you are whether you're spartan next warrior savage race tough mud or whatever you want to go under everybody does the same sport for the same reason because we love it it's a good time and i'm still convinced that the obstacle course community is the best in the world so Give it a shot. Try it. Open yourself up to meeting new people, trying new things. And like we said, if you get to an obstacle, find a way to get it done. Don't turn around and go back to where you were. Give it an honest shot. And if you don't like it, it is what it is. At least you can go to sleep at night saying you gave it a shot and know that it's not for you. But on the off chance it's something you love, you're going to find a hobby that you can do for the rest of your life. So couldn't encourage you more to do it. I couldn't have said that better myself. So. Perfect. Well, thank you, Aaron, for for chatting with me. This has been a blast. Um, Yeah, and I'm sure we will talk again, and I I hope to someday meet you in person. Well, if you're ever up in Alberta, I absolutely can't wait. And uh, like I had with uh, last time I was on, the offer for beer and cheeseburger still stands. Come find me at a race, or if I'm down in uh, the Seattle area, I'll let you guys know, and we'll uh, definitely meet up. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. This show is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you like to hear. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or at beastocr.com.